0: Welcome back to The Gabble and the Gabble. It's me, Harry, at Windsor. And I'm joined by... It's me. It's me. It's me,
1: Simon, in Devon. How are you, my friend? How are you, Mr Harry?
0: Uh, mate, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're spending a lot of time together at the moment, or we're at least talking to each other a lot. There's a lot of chat. There's a lot of chat. There's a lot of chat. We've had a busy week. We're doing a lot of... There seems to be a degree of urgency in the auction market to get everything into auction houses before Christmas. We're recording at the beginning of November. It wasn't like this last year. Please tell me it wasn't like this last year. It's a bit chaotic. People are like, please come and see my house. Please come and see my house. Please come and see my stuff. Can I sell this? Can I do that? And can you get it all done before Christmas? I've never experienced anything like it, but good fun. I need it
1: sold, I need to be paid, I need it before <laughs> Christmas. It's all yeah. good fun, but slightly... No, it's good, it's good. We're very happy that local people want to use their
0: local auction houses. Yeah, and I'm on the road. I've gone. I've taken inspiration from you, my friend. I'm going on the road. I haven't done this in ages.
1: Oh, on valuations.
0: Yeah, we have hired a series of halls, church halls, and I'm on the road every week. Until the end of February, every week, every week until the end of February. So I'm going on the road. um, So half a day or a day, half a day, every week I'll be in various towns and villages around winter. I've taken inspiration from you. You are my guru. You're like a
1: little travelling legend from door to door rolling up, literally, and valuing people's items for sale. Can I tell you a quick funny story about that? You've just reminded me, actually. Um, My lovely wife, Susie, uh, booked me and Mark a valuation day for, I think it's next week. doesn't matter because podcasts, it's all timeless and in the ether. I think you'll find this might be the difference between a Devon village hall and perhaps your venues, where you're going. And uh, we spoke to a lovely lady down in sort of Sidmouth Way, but a little village outside. I won't be too specific because that would be mean. Village Hall, it's £10 an hour, Harry. They're hoping to have internet. <laughs> Did we need the heating on? Not necessarily. We'll bring a jumper. It's not a problem. And uh, uh having filled in the, the little form that they sent through and all the rest of it, it's all very jolly. Uh We're all booked in. She phoned up in a panic today to say, could you tell the boys that's me and Mark apparently the boys, whatever they do, sounded very very yeah, yeah, critical. This absolutely critical. Whatever they do, could you make sure they bring a pound coin for the parking? Right.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's nice. So, what everybody who comes to everybody who comes to you who stays for too long has to bear bound. Uh, if you come to
1: this particular village hall, there's an honesty box and uh, you can park for as long as you like. But you've got to put a pound in. Oh, cool. I think that's brilliant. And that funds the hall. Don't think you're swiping any cards here or <laughs> ring going, my friend. <laughs> you need to bring a pound coin. I felt like I was going to the swimming baths and somewhere to put my clothes. I mean, the where?
0: The swimming baths. Love. Swimming baths. Oh, swimming, not your swimming pool, local swimming pool. Yeah. Swimming baths. Your little pound in the locker, don't you? Mate's a long time since I've been inside a swimming pool. <laughs> Are you allowed in a swimming pool? Um, what, from a weight perspective? What, no, no, water dis- no. is that where you were going? Water displacement. No, no, I that, get no. in, half the pool gets out. No, that would be rude. I was more thinking <laughs> oh, along really? the lines. No, I was more
1: thinking <laughs> on the lines that you're not supposed to go in a pool an hour after
0: you've eaten. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. That would never happen. <laughs> There'd never be an hour, would there? <laughs> it's a very similar joke, dear listener, but uh, he's tried to dress that up as not quite as insulting. <laughs> I think we've got two jokes for the
1: price of one there. I'm very happy oh, about that. Dear. Anyway. Well,
0: they're still talking about your jokes in uh, a pod a couple of episodes ago. Um, right. Um, we're back on the interview trail. And today we are talking to, and it's a very different, it's an interesting uh area this it's the it's the rise of freelance services in the within the auction industry so the number of auction platforms and those sorts of things have created a demand for people who can support auction houses and uh we are talking to lucy lawson paul who is ex uh sotheby's Early in her career She made a debut in the Racing Post Did she not? She did indeed She did uh, Modelling the silks uh, That were being auctioned By Graham Bud At uh, one of the auctions uh, Their sporting memorabilia auctions So we're going to be talking to uh, Lucy About the things she does To support auction houses <music> So Welcome to the pod Lucy.
2: Thank you very much indeed. It's good to good to chat to you. Good to meet you at last. Yes.
1: Lovely to meet you, Lucy. And do you know what? We've been chatting for quite a long time and trying to get this organised to get you on the pod. So we are delighted to have you here at last. Thank it's you very to see much.
2: You. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I've been listening online to your to your various epi- episodes and your various anecdotes. Um, and I thought you were obviously looking for characters. So I thought I must get in touch with them and put my name forward and see if they'll have me. And indeed, you did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. Now, Lucy, um, you have a freelance um, services company, two auction houses uh, across the country, is my mm-hmm. understanding, yes. offering a whole range of services, and we'll get to those later. But I think for our dear listeners, I wondered if you could give us a bit of background as to how you came to get to this point, how uh, you got into the auction world, and and what it is that Lucy Lawson Paul Freelance Services is all about, if that would be good with you.
2: Well, after I, I read um, history of art and English literature at the University of East Anglia in Norwich, and I mean, the, I've re- I mean, read English literature at A level, and always been you know a very keen reader and keen bibliophile, and was always had my nose in and out of books from childhood and babyhood up to you know forever, and that's still ongoing. Um, so, read history of art at university, and then the first job after I graduated. Um, I was lucky enough to get a position at Sotheby's. So, I mean, it was a great, you know, boon for me and a fantastic sort of introduction. I sort of landed on two feet fairly firmly not long after I graduated and was working at their sale room at Olympia. Do you remember the Olympia sale room? Mm. So we got a job with the inventory control. So I mean, I was able to see the auction world behind the scenes, not just in front of the rostrum, but behind the scenes, a sort of three hundred and sixty degree of looking after the items under your care, department by department, and looking after the clients, the owners, the consigners to whom the items belong. And it really gives you a really good grounding in both, both looking at the skills and looking after and handling items. You guard against damage, you try and guard against loss, you've got to track things from sale room to store room back to the clients and back to you know warehouses and back to sale room, sometimes all over the country, sometimes all over the world. So you've really got to keep your eyes on what you're doing at all times and indeed look after the clients when they come in. If for any reason, an auction house, they couldn't sell a particular piece, I would then write to them and contact them, you know, we're under somebody's guidance and say, we have your particular item, we can't sell it for whatever reason, would you be kind enough to come and collect it? Or we can maybe try it again in another sale. So you have to handling items and handling handling the clients it was a, an experience in the round very much so
1: bit of a baptism of fire i can imagine as well sounds it like was. it
2: was it was a real it was a real sort of baptism of fire i mean when i obviously when i got there i was trained in all the the systems the southern systems and compliance um as well something they very hot on i think still very hot on that you um you know, you have due mm. diligence with looking after the items in your care. There are confidentiality things you have to look at. Knowing how to, if you do encounter a problem, where to go for help, who to speak to, um, how to, you know, look through the condition reports, how to, you really have to problem, how to problem solve so that when you go through a particular department and they have back stock, indeed, which they can't sell. You've then got to um, get it down a little bit. So again, you're freeing up room for newer stock that comes in, newer consignments that come in for sale. And you don't want to have fine storage areas filled with dozens of items. And then you find you run the risk of damage and then something might get lost or chipped. You really got to look after the items under your care right the way through.
1: And now you work for multiple auction houses. Is that
2: right? Yes. I mean, I was there for uh, Sotheby's for a good three or four years. Then the Olympia cell room closed down and a good well, friend of mine, a colleague of mine said, well, you're you're so good. I'm so organized and so sharp with looking after departments by departments and looking after the clients and really getting involved with the people, making sure that they have a good experience with Sotheby's, even if you can't sell their particular item. Why don't you... Have a look with other auction houses and see if they need ancillary help, because there are times where as you I'm sure you've known and come across when auction houses don't necessarily always have the full complement of staff to do things on sale days. They might need extra help with bidding or with helping out with clients or extra things with cataloguing or there's a market there where you can come in if people do need extra pairs of hands, they can contact you. And the fact you know the business and know the terminology. Will stand you in very good stead. So you can obviously familiarise yourself with how an auction house, in the particular, how they like things to be done. But you you know the industry. You know when you go into a cell room, how it all works, how to handle items, um, look after people. You you know you know the world, and know the industry, and know the trade and the terminology. So you can you can come in and sort of hit the ground running.
1: But you must find um, the auction houses. I mean, they can be very, very different animals, can't they? Don't get me wrong. I completely understand in terms of the terminology, in terms of the way an auction works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you if you came if you came to our auction houses, I think you might be slightly shocked because Harry and I run them. So. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. No. 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 <laughs> but but you must you must get to see some lovely you know regional auction houses and the differences. Certainly coming from Sotheby's, would you say?
2: Absolutely. I mean, you've, I mean, I've seen all sorts. I mean, I've seen you know some marvelous auction houses who I mean who really take care of their premises and take care of their staff and who are lovely, really lovely, super places to work for. And again, I mean, I've seen all sorts of things right at the other end of the the end of the scale, which. you know, you, you see all sorts. You see all characters. You see all locations. Believe you me, you see everything. And it's, it's an education. It really is an education.
1: And what's some of the bigger sales that you've been involved in or some of the more exciting sales that, or, or things that you've sold with auction houses? Have You've got a few um, stories about some of the sales that you've been involved in.
2: Well, gosh, I mean, one of the the funny anecdotes I was going to relate to you when I was doing one of my particular things is the the internet clerking um, particular skills that auction houses will, when they're using some of these platforms, they'll quite often I will work in conjunction with, shall we say, invaluable. I do quite a bit of work with them, alongside them. And they will, you know, send me, can you go, either go in situ or do some work remotely at a particular sale room. This will make you laugh. They had a taxidermied whale's genitalia. Now, that was, that, was, that was an extraordinary thing to see in the flesh. That was, an, that was a really extraordinary thing. I think it's sold in the end. But, I mean, you, you see some extraordinary things. Looking at some of the things which I was watching online and we've been discussing, uh, the Freddie Mercury cell, you see items that will absolutely fly, absolutely fly. And at the other end of the scale, items that will go indi- indi- for not quite so much. You, you see it right the way through the scale
1: absolutely and and we all have our sort of little quirk something we like what is it that you lucy look out for at auctions what's your passion when it when items come up for auction what are you interested in
2: my particular now, it's it's quite a niche area. Um, but my particular love is is animation art. So it's the it's the drawings and the animation cells from productions. I was actually lucky enough to buy a piece by Richard Williams, a wonderful animated cell from an investment for Listerine with a dragon. Do you remember that? It was on it's on YouTube. Yes. It's on, this beautiful yes. piece. I suddenly I suddenly spotted it and I thought I've got to have that and made a bid and got it. So, I mean, I've got a, a few pieces I've managed to find over the years, but it's a it's a it's quite a niche area in this country. And I'd love to see more more examples sales. I'm always keeping my eyes open for for drawings and rare pieces that that will that will pop up. So that's, you know, it's a marvellous thing to look out for.
1: You've had a few of those haven't you Harry at Windsor.
0: We're very lucky to have yeah because of our our location near movie studios we do see a, few, a fair few a fair few of those of course, uh, yeah. items but yeah it's nice to have a passion when you're on the rostrum or what you're doing as you say uh, helping out with the platforms and all the rest of it but you're you you've gone down a very sensible route because there are so many platforms now to support auctioneers um selling online that we can't keep you know it's not it's not commercially viable to keep so many people on payroll Mm. in order to support all the platforms you know and if you've got somebody like yourself who's got such a good working knowledge um who can then step in and can put up with you know all sorts of characters that let's face it most auctioneers are how would you say simon tricky to sit next to (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think tricky is probably the right
1: word for a pod. Yeah, it could yeah. be. There are others as, as yes. two
0: individuals who sit next to each other, constantly working. Um, yeah, we wind each other up, let alone anybody else. Tell me, you you do the clerking. Do you do valuations and those sort of things? You step in and help on. I'm looking. I mean, I'm, I'm always. I'm always, you
2: know, sort of working on my. I mean, my skills. If opportunity, if people want me to come in and help. You know, do valuations, or I mean, certainly cataloging is one thing. I, one particular area I do love because it does allow me to do a bit of do a bit of research and reading and writing up about the pieces that I that I come across. But I mean, I'm I'm you know open to suggestions from everyone and about everything, uh, which I think is the you know is the way to go with this. I'm currently doing a lot of work for a local antiquarian book dealer here in Sussex, so I've been looking up a lot of works on the English short title catalogue. So for looking up antique books and looking up for bindings and headbands and all sorts of things, that's another particular area. So, um, you know, bibliographies and being a, being a bookworm, it's, you know, it's, 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 another, it's another job which you can do outside, you know, the immediate sort of auction world, other little projects which you can do from home. Which, which I find is, is another way it's always keeping you occupied and always keeping you
0: busy. And it's expanding your knowledge all the time. Cause
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Yes.
0: One thing we talk about in this industry is that you've never, ever, ever stopped learning. Each day you get up in the morning and, you you know, you're off doing something else. It does help um, that you're a, a bookworm. Um, so it, it's a, probably a good idea to head down that route as well. But then I imagine if you're like me, I'm a big reader as well. And you spend a lot of time getting distracted by what you're researching. That would be my problem. I'd end up needing.
2: Yes, distracted. And it's it's very absorbing. I've been doing a lot of work. I was doing some work this morning. And you get when you, you get into it and you begin to look up things on online catalogues and you're, you're going through looking for foxing and spotting and. Page conditions and lists of maps and plates. You can you can really get into it. You can lose yourself in a subject. Mm. No, it, it's it's wonderful, and I think this is always something my parents encouraged to you know embrace everything, be it in art, books, literature, music, film, theatre, whatever it may be. I think that was always something that was inculcated in me since since childhood.
1: And were your were your parents involved in the auction industry, or were they something else altogether?
2: My mother, um, she's, she latterly worked in a local auction house here in Sussex, but my late father, he was a heraldic, heraldic artist and a political cartoonist as well. So I, um, you know, from, from childhood, was always seeing my father drawing away at his drawing board and producing beautiful artworks with gouache and pen and ink and was so used to, you know, my father listening away um, to the radio with his drawing board and, you know, sticks of sealing wax and 24-carat gold leaf and set can you believe it? He came to, he did a lot of work for various ecclesiastical um, buildings and the cathedral, Chichester Cathedral. He's got work in the College of Arms in their archives as well. But he, he did a commission for Westminster Abbey. He did two, painted two metal shields, which are now high above the west door on the exterior of the building, painted and gilded. And when he was doing the project, under his strict supervision, I helped him to do a bit of the gilding. Um, so he guided me through it with the, the sizing and the burnishing. And when the project was completed, he put my name and his name on the back and the date. So, I mean, I have my name on Westminster Abbey, which is, you know, another... <laughs> there will be there, you know, in sort of hundreds of years' time when they eventually, to I imagine, take them down to restore them. But, you know, that's another little thing. My name is there. So
1: how fantastic so so you'd say it's it's in the blood to a degree would you say
2: yes i would i would say i mean my, my late father was more of the the practical i mean fantastically skilled beautiful handwriting and you know amazing amazing talent with with brush and pen i'm more into the the reading and the writing and the res, and the researching around subjects rather than the sort of practical application of art but i mean once you're you're steeped in it You know, from the word go, you never you never lose it. It's all it's always there. So I think in terms of a career path, that's always where I was going to be heading. Um, And I think certainly with my interest in animation, which again grew out of my father introducing me to so much of his love with cartoons and political cartoonists, you know, I've created my own path. Within, within the sort of the art and of the arts field as a career. Yeah,
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. We're always guided a bit by the influence of our parents, aren't we? So, uh, But I'm loving the political mm, yes. cartoonist. So he's obviously quite a witty individual as well.
2: Very, very witty. Did um, some illustrations for the Peterborough column in the Telegraph many years ago. I have scrapbooks with some of his work, with little pithy pocket cartoons of issues from the day. And I still, you know, love looking at his work and, you know, he wrote a fantastically funny book of um, Scottish short stories as well. So wrote books as well as illustrated them and did commissions for various things. So an, an extraordinary influence to have, you know, in one's life. And of course, I've taken taken that and gone off in my own path.
0: Mm, I'm, I'm loving it. And
1: created a very successful freelance uh, company, Lucy. So and what we would like to ask you to comment on is um, Harry and I have put this podcast together to talk about the industry as a whole, but one of the things we're very passionate about is encouraging more women to be involved in the industry, more women to be involved in auctioneering, because quite frankly, there aren't enough. Quite simply, there aren't enough. There aren't enough female auctioneers who outstrip us the ones that are there time and time again but you are doing exactly what we are advocating so lucy tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. how it is to be um a woman in the industry but also to any listeners out there, any ladies out there that might be interested in getting to, into the industry and how they might go about it and what's in it for them?
2: I think you've really got to be incredibly competent and willing just to take on any challenge that comes your way. Um, I mean, I certainly in when I started um, working in Southern Miss, you really do have to to learn on the job, and I would, and I would say that to to anyone, irrespective of whether they be you know, male or female, or women in the industry or whatever. Um, I mean, tremendous, you know, tremendous confidence. And I think certainly on whether on the rostrum, you've got to be one thing. I, I do notice, and which I do appreciate when I am working in situ or working remotely, auctioneers who are very crisp and very precise and concise when taking when taking bids, um, because when you, you have got an auction. Um, it can be several hundred items you're in a day you've got to work at pace so you've got to take bids from the book from the floor commission bids on the pace so having a, a good command you know and a good a good strong presence on the rostrum is absolutely essential so I think if anyone can bring that to life on the rostrum then fantastic
0: sorry I'm interested do you say, did you say you work remotely for some auction houses do you do the clerking remotely
2: you can do in in some instances. This was an element which came to the fore um, during COVID. Once everybody had sort of regrouped, of course. I mean, it as you as you know, COVID absolutely knocked everyone's you know sideways. Mm. I came away from I was, was in London pre COVID, and I had to move. I moved back to Sussex to when all this was going on. And so, there's some of the software companies you know that I was doing things with. Once everyone had regrouped and said, well, we can still get auctions going, but obviously you can't travel. You can't be in situ in the sale room. And so there were ways of doing it where I could see what was going on. If you have cameras and the technology on the rostrum, you can see and hear what an auctioneer is saying. They can see what you are bidding, if they've got a screen, if you've got a screen, and you can you can do it at distance. The technology had to come into play you know, when it was called for, when necessity demanded it. And sometimes it happens that a client may want somebody to work remotely, they may want somebody to work in situ. I try to get a balance as much as I possibly can because I like getting out and meeting people and seeing the items that you're selling mm. and getting a and plenty of a change of scene, which is marvellous. Mm. Um so I think there's a lots of I like lots of variety in my work. You know, I mean certainly before COVID I was travelling sort of up and down the country and shooting off to Cambridge and Gloucestershire and Liverpool and all sorts of different places to go and do things, and I, you know, trot off on a train with my laptops and go and, you know, throw bids at the auctioneer and say, "I have five hundred, sir, seven hundred, seven fifty, lovely." Yours, Lucy, on the platform, you know, and this sort of thing. But when necessity had to say, "Right, we're going to have to put a, a stop to sort of the, the traveling around the country," and technology will have to come into play, it served it actually it served me very well because I, you know, could keep going. During COVID, when you know so many industries were sort of knocked sideways, and everybody had to to learn and work with the with circumstances that you know they were faced with, it was it, that was an extraordinary learning curve which nobody saw coming. But it again, it's it's given allowed you to take my skills and put them in another way. So you've always got other skills to play with and other ways of doing it, mm-hmm. uh, which is, has been so useful.
0: And that's going to help all your clients, isn't it? The fact that you're able to do things Absolutely. remotely and all the rest of it. And if they, they, you know, uh, uh, we we deal with several auction houses that don't open to the general public. So they don't actually need you. Yes, exactly. They don't actually need you in situ. They have no, they nobody bidding in the room anymore. That's not for me, to be fair, but, um, you know, I, I'm not knocking I know. No, it's it's
2: No, it, it's sad when that happens because I think when you get a good atmosphere in a sale room with a good auctioneer and a good audience, it makes it. And you know, you and I, you and we both know, all know that when you get an atmosphere in a sale room, when the bidding's going well, when people are buying, it can be magical. You can make theater of it um, and it's wonderful, but inevitably there's going to be a, a sea change and you know, every technology will, will play its part. Sometimes to the good, sometimes to the, the bad in many cases where that, that theater can sort of wane a bit. And you know, it's, it's it's an extra. We're seeing an extraordinary, um, you know, sea change in the in the industry, the way technology is going. But when you get a wonderful atmosphere going in the room, it really makes it.
1: Mm. You do love it. you do love it, don't you, Lucy?
2: I do, I do. I mean, I, I, you know, I enjoy it because I get into the into the thrill of the chase. If I'm working live on the platforms, if I've got bid, I'm always the one very enthusiastic and putting up my hand and saying, "Yes, sir, I have a bid of X and whatever." And you've got an auctioneer who's responding to you. And they, they, you know, they can sort of thrill the, the pace of the cell and you're responding. You're having to work with whatever's, you know, going on around you. So you've got to listen and work and respond in quick, quick time. It's it's not for the faint-hearted at times because you've got to be on the on the ball when you've got hundreds of items that you have to get through in a day, and the auctioneer will say, "Bid quickly, come on! You've got to." You oh, hours. Yeah, that's absolutely. Simon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, Simon yeah. does a lot that's of my that. job. Simon
0: that's my does job. A lot of that. Yes. chivving people on. Are you competitive, Lucy? I was going to ask the same thing, yeah. Simon. We have several platforms, and uh, which Simon um, oversees. So I'll be doing a yes. lot of the shouting, Simon overseas, some, all that. And they're very competitive with one another as to whose platform are, I, I, are you the yeah. same?
2: I think so, yes. When I and I sort of get when I sort of get bids, I like having the satisfaction that I've been the one on what particular platform software, I've been the one to win the bid on behalf of a client <laughs> on the software. And I get I get I, I take it quite personally, I get great satisfaction from <laughs> you know saying to myself, Yes, it's on the platform that I'm working on. I'm the one that's got the bid and I'm the one, mm-hmm. you know, sort of cheerleading a particular item. Um, but you have to but you do have to, you know, concede ground to the other platforms what's going on in the room. And you've got to, as I said, you know, listen. And sometimes just when you think you haven't got it, you mash a sneak in a bid or the very last split second before the auctioner puts the hammer down. And then you then you win it. And then sometimes it comes in a split second later mm. and you don't get it. So um, it's just, I mean, the technology can sometimes, you know, throw you a bouquet. Sometimes it can throw you a brick bat <laughs> when sometimes they can just buy a split second. You just come in, you just don't get it. So...
1: Lucy, that that is wonderful, though, because uh, you know we we have um, our staff at both auction houses, and at both auction houses, it, it's exactly the same. It's exactly as you describe. It's slightly gladiatorial. It's competitive. Um, when we've got Sarah on one phone and Emma on another phone and Will on another phone, and they desperately yes. want to win, they desperately want to win, and you can see they're crestfallen. Now, what I find interesting is. You're a freelance. You're a you're a gun for hire, but you still have that same passion for the bid, for the winning bid, for your client that you're representing, and for your auction house exactly um, on the day, which is which is wonderful.
2: No, absolutely, because when I when a client commissions me to work with the software or do research or um, catalog or whatever, and I really I. I do take a personal pride in what it is that I'm doing. And when I go to a sale room, you know, in situ, if I'm traveling to London or traveling further afield, you know, I, I, dress, for the, I dress for the occasion. If you look good, you feel good, you work well. Um, so I do, I do take a great deal of pride in, you know, in my, my own personal standards and the standards that I'm setting for my clients and the people that I'm, I'm working with because you want to, to go there and feel at the end of the day you've done a good job. And to have it, that sense of satisfaction at the end of the day, where you you've really put the effort into it to you know to work on behalf of the auction room or the platforms or the clients who may be there in person or maybe somewhere over on the side of the world. You've done your best for them, and you can go home at the end of the day and think, well, I have you know I've, the girl's done good, she's done well, um, because <laughs> it would it would sit very ill with me if I if I came. Back and felt I had not done, you know, a good job. Very, I'm very conscientious about what it is that I do, Um, because you have to have pride in, you know, pride in your work. And if you have pride in your work, your reputation will will stand on that. And indeed, that will come across to the clients. And when they look, when clients people are looking for people to, you know, for freelancers, you want to be the one they call. Um so if you you know you you do have to, you have to really stand up for yourself if you're a freelancer and you've got to be the best that you that you can be because you're not working for a company it's you so you have to you know cheerlead yourself you have to wave your own banner
0: you are you are the company lucy now lucy yes
2: absolutely lucy
0: we're coming to the end uh, i'm afraid um of our little chit chat um but tell us so i know that you're very active on linkedin indeed and you've got a website Indeed, is that how is that how the best way of people getting uh, auction houses and potential clients getting hold of you
2: it is yes i mean they can they're welcome to follow me on linkedin i also have an instagram page which i use as a kind of visual scrapbook for the things that interest me the things i come across be they in at auction houses in life generally things i come across as i'm in my local surroundings be they in sussex or london um, so I use that as a kind of as a kind of visual scrapbook. So I'm always interacting with other auction houses and seeing what they are selling. So I'm always keeping my eye on. What all sorts of other, what other people are doing and what other people are looking at. But I love, I do love, you know, getting out and meeting, meeting clients. So as I said, you know, plenty of variety in my work. So traveling sort of all over the country and doing things, um, and meeting people and seeing the items, which is marvelous, which I really enjoy. So I'm always looking to, to build upon that, not just in the fine art. Area, but in other areas where people auction items for sale. So I mean, it's not, it's, it, the auction house industry is is so wide mm. and so many areas. You have to open to suggestions and open to ideas when you're a freelancer. That's what I that's what I found. People will come to you and say, "Oh, can you um, you know come and do a bit of work? Maybe maybe kitchen equipment or you know items, other items of furniture from hotels." Or so open to suggestions. I think that I, I find that absolutely you know crucial to my work because it's again, it's variety. Excellent.
1: Uh, There's no doubt, Harry, I think I can talk for both of us when I say that that, uh, with that level of enthusiasm and passion for auctioneering, you'd be an absolute asset to any auction house who needed your services. So thank you so much, Lucy, for coming on and telling us all about and. We will get all of your details and make sure they're in the link. Is that right, Harry?
0: Yeah, check the program notes. All of Lucy's contact details will be in there and uh, get in contact with her if you need auction support. Lots of auctioneers
1: listening to uh, the pod, so we will make sure the word goes out that Lucy is a gun for hire and a good gun at that. Thank you, Lucy. Thank
2: you very much. Thank, Thank you, Lucy. Both of you. Thank you very much indeed. That's marvellous. Thank you very Been much. Lovely
1: to speak to you. Thank you so much, Lucy.
2: And to you both. That's an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.
0: Well, Simon, there you go. Uh, an in depth look uh, at what inspired uh, Lucy to start supporting and working. Uh, outside of mainstream auctions, and um, but with it for herself and freelance. Fascinating stuff, really. Absolutely. And, I, and you know, she made such
1: a, a valid point that with the level of technology um, and the amount of platforms, for example, that are coming into an auction house and the variety within auction houses, There are times in the month when an auction house needs to be able to flex its number of staff, particularly on viewing days or particularly on some catalogs or actually on auction day itself. And to have a resource as enthusiastic and passionate as someone like Lucy that you can bring in. Just for set times throughout the month when you need that additional staffing, when you need that flexibility and to know that you've got somebody who is absolutely on your side and has that wealth of knowledge is absolutely superb. So really, really hats off to her, uh, a great service she provides and really interesting to hear about from an auction perspective.
0: It was really good, wasn't it? It was really good. Um, All of Lucy's uh, contact details are in the uh, programme notes or episode notes or whatever you want to call it. And all it leaves us to say in this episode is for Simon to remind our listeners to always take regular showers. (laughs) What is it really, Simon? He says in a patronising tone.
1: (laughs) Like, subscribe, be nice to your fellow person.
0: Tell a friend. How about write a review? Write a review. Write a tell review. a friend. You could write
1: a review. You could write a review if you wanted to. Don't force
0: me. Please do. Uh, please do make the effort to uh, write a review. Five stars, of course. Um, and thank you very well, much for listening. To, they don't have to give five stars, do they? You can't tell them. No,
1: I asked nice stars. I asked nicely. No, you said you've got. They you don't have to leave five stars.
0: We'd like I mean, them to leave nice. five stars. It, it, it would be would lovely. Be. But
1: you know, we can... It's
0: kind I of think up Simon them. and I. I think Simon and I have possibly spent too much time together today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you'd like to write a review, dear listener, please write a review, and you feel free to leave as many stars as you wish. But definitely five. <laughs> a five will <would> be nice. <laughs> Right, mate. See you soon. Love you. See you soon. Love you too.